What's up, y'all? My name is Dr. Austin Shane, sports chiropractor in Scottsdale, Arizona. With me, as always, badass strength coach in Denver, Colorado, Alex Friedman. Today, we're going to be freestyling a little bit, but the main emphasis of what we want to talk about is how to have a hard conversation. So this is one of the most difficult things in coaching, in healthcare, in skill coaching, in any part of MMA and the performance paradigm is having that hard conversation. So Alex, when you have to have a hard conversation with a coach or an athlete, how do you do it? Well, I mean, first off, I think it comes from like genuinely caring about your athlete and their life performance and well-being, you know, like um, there has to be an established relationship and understanding of that or else like no hard conversation is going to happen. Or if a quote unquote hard conversation happens, there's not going to be meaning behind it, right? Like there's just, just going to be a conversation to whoever you're talking to. Like um, a really good example. I had a hard conversation tonight with one of my high school wrestling seniors. Um, who's an awesome kid. Like he, he's so outgoing and he's really has a good character and he works hard and he's a pretty good wrestler. Right. But like one of the hard conversations we had to do, had to have was around like, discipline punctuality and are you going to achieve that's what you the hardest achieve? talk to have is the punctuality talk oh my god dude and like partially again it's 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 hard partially because punctuality and like those small things right they don't seem to add up or mean anything or or have a huge impact on what happens but they fucking matter, dude. Like mm-hmm. the showing up on time, like being adequately prepared, having all your ducks in a row, you know, setting your clothes out the night before, waking up on time. These little things, they add up and not in a sense of like they add up, you're late, you're getting less work than the other guy and you're not going to like be able to outmatch him. I think they add up in a huge sense of self-doubt, right? Like whether you know it or not, you're like sowing those seeds of like, all right, shit, I was a little bit late. And like, yeah, you can say that you brush it off in the, in the moment or like, you know, shit like that, you know, it was only practice and I let myself lose that go. Right. Like whatever, like it's seemingly unimportant, but those small things add up and they become a mentality. And then the mentality that you foster there leads its way or bleeds into everything that you do. And then there's, success or failure based on that. Well, I've seen that in, in what, what we do, right? Like sometimes yeah. like last uh, point blank last week, I don't know what week, what a, a one seventeen. So last week I was shitty at our Instagram posting and literally I, I was supposed to post on Tuesday. I didn't do it. And I'm like, you know what? Oh, like shit, fuck. I should have done it. And then yeah. when Alex posted, made a beautiful post on Wednesday, did his job exactly how he was supposed to do. And then I got to Thursday and of course I'm busy. I, I'm literally, I, I wake up at four forty-five, five o'clock. I met with patients, yada, yada. It's not a fucking excuse. Right. I get done and I'm like, you know what? I'm really tired. Like I don't really need to post. Is this really going to help us? Yada, yada. Then Friday comes around. I could have posted, but I didn't have the the pattern set to do that thing. I didn't I didn't have everything set in my ducks in a row and I'm like, "Oh, I don't need to do that. That's not extremely important right now." Yeah. And it just bleeds into a pattern that is going to lead you down a worser or a dark path. Dude, 
And that, and that's huge. Like that's something that I've noticed like with our business specifically, but even with like athlete success and, and training decisions, um, as a whole, like the more and more I like see this clarity, it's like, it's a positive feedback loop, which means the more you get of one thing leads to getting more of that thing leads to getting more of it, more of it, more of it, more of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Until catastrophe happens or until you, you know, you reach the end of the cliff, quote unquote. So part of the thing that I see like in that scenario, right. is like, I made a small decision, quote unquote, small decision. Right. Right. I was tired. I was tired. Right. I didn't make a post to prioritize these other things and not make the post on Tuesday. Right. Mm -hmm. The next thing you see me post when I'm supposed to and do, you know, the job, the way it's supposed to be done. And then instead of, you know, looking at that and be like, all right, fuck yeah, we're rolling. I'm going to add to that. You think, shit, I didn't do my job. I'm not as, I'm not on top of things as I should mm -hmm. be. And I'm not, you know, worth posting right now. Right. Yep. Next thing. Oh, fuck. I'm tired. I've worked really hard at this and that. I already didn't post. I already fucked it up. So it doesn't really matter. Right. Yep. Next decision comes around. Or no, my, it's not my, worth it. Again, right? right. My big thing is I'm like, cause I'm posting on Instagram or on YouTube and I'm like, Oh, I did the YouTube. It's fine. But that's not my, that, that's, right. that's not another excuse what I, you're telling yourself. Right, exactly. That's not what I said I was going to do. That yeah. is not what I signed up to do. Right. Yes. I signed up to do both. But then I'm like, oh, I did one thing. So I almost, it's almost like an internal bargain with myself. Yeah. And moving it back to the punctuality talk, like that's what I keep seeing with athletes that I have to talk to about punctuality. And I'm, I am my own worst enemy with that because like if an athlete, if an athlete's five minutes late and it's during my athlete hours, I normally don't give a shit. I always, I always fall into the category of, well, they're just hurting themselves. Right. But when an athlete is 30 minutes late and then that limits their workout by 30 minutes because yeah. I have to jump in with a, with a, a gen pop patient or something like that and I yeah. can't be there, which oh, yeah. isn't going to give them the same quality. It's not just hurting them. It's hurting me because yeah. their performance and everything they do is a reflection on my training. Yeah, and that's the, that's the disparity or the difference that I've noticed recently that it's extremely important to have these important talks or these difficult talks because if you don't put your foot down, if you don't stop it in its tracks, if you don't try to boom, er, turn the ship when things are turning or becoming awry or going into deep waters or dark waters, then bad things happen and they're going to keep happening. It's going to be a cascade of event that is going to hurt that athlete in front of you. And by extension, you. Yeah. hundred percent. No. And like, I think there, there's two sides of this coin too. Cause like, as long as the work is getting done, like there is a, a, an acceptable leeway of behavior, right? It's not like you have to be, you know, militaristic and everything they do. You still have a lot of room to, you know, be yourself or work in or, or, or do what you need. But, but, you know, time and time again, like it, it proves itself true. Like how you do anything is a lot of times how you do most things, right? I won't say everything because I think that's a little extreme, but how you do anything is how you're going to do most things, right? And so if I'm like, ah, fuck, it doesn't matter if I'm late. It doesn't matter if I give, you know, half effort on the last rep of the day, whatever. Like, again, the positive feedback loop. Ah, it doesn't matter if I really show up to that workout, man. It doesn't really fucking matter if I do strength and conditioning <laughs> in my camp. Oh, man, it doesn't really, it doesn't really fucking matter if I win this fight, right? Like, yep. you know, as much as, a lot of high level and successful athletes are so the opposite of that. That shit happens. 
that shit happens. And that's why you don't hear about those people that it happens to, you know, for a really harsh reality um, in that sense. But no, you said something that really made me think um, of it. Actually, an Instagram reel I saw a while back and it was Kobe Bryant, um, you know, and they had him in the black and white and silhouette and everything. And, and he's like, it's like summer comes around. I hit my training program. I agreed to that shit. I wrote it down. I signed it and everything. I'm not bargaining with myself. Cause you, uh, people bargain with themselves so much. I bargain with myself constantly. Yeah, I do it all the time. <laughs> it's like, I did this shit so hard. And so I don't have to do that thing, which I should have done that thing. Right. And so I think it's more of a, a practice in balancing time management and, um, being a realist with yourself. Like the, the thing that I've been going through recently is I have to be a realist with, I can't be everywhere at once all the time, or I can't fully commit to seven different performance teams like I've been trying to do. Oh, that's right? something I ran into early in my career. And I mean, yeah. fuck, I say early in my career, I still run into that, but I want to, it, it's not out of bad intentions. Yeah, I right. want to help as many people as I can, but when you commit to too many things at once, something has to give. Right? right. And that's, that's again, another tough conversation to have is, at the end of the day, like what my goal, like I sat down and I, we had our building a fighter goals. I also had one of my main goals. One of my main goals is to become a better business person. I'm right. good at my job, but at the end of the day, I care more about doing the work than getting paid for my work because right. that's what I, that's what I care about. But in order for me to do my job better and for longer, I have to get paid what I'm worth for my work. So my goal is, is to make sure that I'm getting paid, I'm getting compensated. I'm, I'm focusing on what's important for my family because that allows me to put more into my work. And it's a difficult conversation to have with people that you don't necessarily, that don't have necessarily have the funds to sometimes afford you. Like right. sometimes when I work with my gen pop patients, like I'm fucking expensive, bro. Right. Like, yeah, and I, I feel that, that a lot. Be- yeah, I feel that. Because I offer a premium product. And sometimes you have to make that decision that if I want to be a better business person and I, I really truly should get paid what I deserve, sometimes you can't help everybody. And it's a difficult conversation for me to have with myself because that it hurts me that I can't do that. It's also a very difficult conversation to have with the person in front of me and say, hey, I'm sorry, but... I just don't have the time right now. I, I'm yeah. not able to do that. I'm not able to give that to you because I need to spend that somewhere else to focus on me. Right. And it seems so selfish when you say it. Like in my head, saying that out loud sounds yeah. so fucking selfish. But at the end of the day, a little bit of selfishness. Actually, uh, fuck it. The, the people that get the most in life, I'm going to back this up. The people that go the farthest in life are also extremely selfish. Amen. Kobe Bryant, selfish. LeBron James, selfish. Michael Jordan, selfish. Tiger Woods, selfish. The people that I look up to the most are selfish. And they right. do, they give back to their community. They, they like LeBron James does great things for his community. Tom Brady does great things for the community, but he's selfish, selfish as fuck with his time. Right. And I, I think, think that's a, what matters. Yeah. And that's, that's right on the delineation is like, you, you can be selfish with a lot of things, but I think the one non-negotiable is being selfish with your time. Right. Because if Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, any of the Tom Brady, any of those like goats, quote unquote, right? Any of those guys, if they don't get to where they're at, 
they can't give back in a fraction exactly. of ability, right? So it's like LeBron James can't make that school if he's not LeBron James. Amen. Right? So, so right. So I think there's there's a, a huge balance there of time management, knowing your worth, and then picking your shots too. Like because there are some people that like the um like the extraneous value or the value added, not financially, is worth the investment. Right. It's worth the time that you're going to put into them because there's going to be, you know, a payoff in connections. There's going to be a payoff in potential. There's going to be a payoff in the future. Right. So there, there's an understanding there of where to go from that. But again, knowing your worth is so important. And I've gone through that um, on repeat. You know, in the strength coaching world, it's way too easy to work so hard and not get paid. Dude, I saw a Twitter, I saw a Twitter thread today where there were these strength coaches that were all arguing back and forth with each other. And the first, the, uh, I guess the initiation of the thread was a strength coach talking about, he has other businesses that he makes a lot of money at. And he says that I work with around a hundred or 200 athletes and I don't get paid for it. And this is why, or, or sorry, this is what I do. And this is why I do it. And then it's literally just a barrage of strength coaches coming at him about why aren't you getting paid for what you do? Yada, yada, the people that are in the private sector. And then the people that are in the public sector, the the college strength coaches, the high school strength coaches are then going at the private sector coaches saying you're fucking overpaid. How can you ask that much money? Like you should do it because you love what you're doing. And it's this, it's this dichotomy between the two sides of strength and conditioning where, and, and, and this, I say strength conditioning, this falls into every job in performance where everybody that gets into performance wants to help people. Right. But I feel like there has to be a point where you realize, A, you can't help everybody, and B, in order to help people, as many people as possible, you have to be comfortable. The only way that you can help people at your best is when you're comfortable yourself. Well, when you're at your best and you help yourself first. Exactly. Right. Like, you know, and that's, how many... that's something that my, our head coach Santino said to me, we had, yeah. we were out at, at a Mohican sun at a, at, we were cornering Bellator and I sat down yeah. and I, I asked him about my model. I asked him about what he thought. I respect him a lot. Okay. I asked him, what do you think I can do better? And he looked at me dead in the eyes and he point blank said, Austin, you got to look out for yourself. You give so much to these fighters it takes away from you. You you have to look out for yourself and that's what's going to allow you to help as many people as possible. And that's Uh always stuck with me. No, I feel like that that's super true. And there's also the other side of the coin too, where you like indulge in yourself too much. Right. And then then you're, you're losing part of the value, but yeah, I think everybody gets into the strength conditioning field to, to help as many people as they can. And I kind of want to pivot here. And I think, we can talk about how the best way to help people. Right. And we Mm -hmm. can bring it back to a hard conversation. Right. Um, one of the hardest conversations that I've had, maybe not with an athlete individual, but with teams or with other strength coaches, I guess that's the best way to talk about it is with other strength coaches is to go back on the like militaristic and regimented way of doing things in strength Mm -hmm. and conditioning. Right. Cause I think, um, and this is on the top of my mind because we were talking about Jamal Williams before the podcast, yeah. um, who has <laughs> been blown up. And, right? Not only because of He's his Alex's idol. 
right? Not only because of his performance, he's been fantastic on the football field, right? But because of his off the field personality and who he is, right? And again, I, uh, I'm, I've become a huge fan and I actually knew more about him being a Naruto fan and an anime geek before I knew anything about how good he's been playing this year, mm-hmm. right? That, you know, disclaimer, whatever. I haven't been really paying attention to the NFL. Um, but I also saw an Instagram reel, right? And I feel cheesy because I look up a lot of motivational Instagram reels. But one of his coaches was talking about letting the athletes be themselves and letting them express themselves, right? And mm-hmm. it's it's hugely important. And I think in MMA, we get to the closest version of that, right? Because I, quite frankly, I see a huge connection between Jamal William and, and who he's being outwardly in the public compared to Stylebender and who he's been outwardly in the public, which is extremely himself and very authentic. Right. And I think there, there's somewhat of a, a, an open doorway there now that mixed martial artists have created to allow somebody in the NFL, which is, you know, pretty uh, historically conservative and militaristic straight up. But one of the, what this coach said was, without allowing Jamal Williams to be himself, to dance, to wear the anime do-rags, to do whatever he wants, you don't get the most authentic, best version of Jamal Williams in life on the football field for the team. You're, you just you miss out on a huge benefit to him as a person, a huge benefit to you as a football team and leadership if you try and curtail and limit him and tell him to stay within the bounds. Mm-hmm. Right. And play the role that he's given, not who he is. So I think that's a really hard decision as a strength coach is like, what ideals am I going to conform to and how am I going to demand my athletes behave versus how am I going to like, I don't want to say allow, but how am I going to foster a more of a sense of authenticity with them? Right. I think it comes down to the difference between values and rules. Sure. You should impose values, but you should not set rules. At okay. least in my in my strength in my my weight room, I sure. impose values. I expect you to be on time or relatively close to the time you told me. Right. I expect you to listen when I talk to you. I I expect you to take form and biomechanics as a high priority in what you're doing and not just do bullshit reps. Nice. Right? I allow you or what I, I allow you. I want you to be yourself. I yeah. give athletes w- whenever I can. So I can't always pick the music if we have like a 95 year old patient <laughs> in there. But it, it t- as much as I can, I allow the athlete to pick the music because that's them. Yeah. I, as much as I can allow the athlete to talk or not talk in between sessions. I don't give a fuck if the athlete has their phone with them. As long right. as we're doing the work with the work rest ratio. Like I know there's a lot of schools, there's a lot of pro teams that don't allow the athlete to have their phone with them. I think that's fucking ridiculous. I don't care how you recover as long as you're doing what I'm asking you to do. Yeah. Right. You should be allowed to be yourself unapologetic. If you want to fucking dance as active recovery in, but like Vanessa Demopoulos is one of my athletes. She'll literally just dance in like as part of her (laughs) active, like in in between sets and she'll just like joke around and fuck around. That's her. Let her be her because that's going to put her at a point to put more into the next set because she's, she's more energized. She feeds off of her own energy and she can go do better things versus I have an like Hunter Azure. Hunter Azure might be the quietest person in America. 
He doesn't <laughs> want to talk in between his sets. He wants to focus. Yeah. So he recovers in a different way than Vanessa does. That's a hundred percent. Okay. But you have to let the athletes do what they want to do because it's going to lead to a higher output when they do the work you ask them to do. And it's all within the structure of you have values you expect, but there's no strict rules with which they have to follow. I know. I haven't ever thought of it like that, but I really like that. Like the, the value is punctuality and getting your job done, getting your work done. But you know, a, a poor example of a rule is like, if you're 10 minutes late, we're not doing your session. Right. That's fucking ridiculous. Right. And, and I, I totally agree. I think that's outlandish, right? As long there's... as it doesn't put the, the coach back, like as long as, as long as they are, they feel comfortable, like letting the athlete do their thing. Like say you got a session after. Hmm. So like sometimes I have like back to back, I have my athlete cluster and then I have yeah. a gen pop that I have to be one-on-one with right after. Right. As long as I have weight room access and they can work without me there. If they're 10 minutes late and maybe it was an extenuating circumstance who like, really, I don't like it. I'm going to tell them, Hey motherfucker, be on time next time, Right. but let them do the work. Cause that's what they're there to do. Yeah. And, and I get that, but I also see like points where it gets. And, and again, I think this is the efficacy of a coach and, and, and genuinely communicating and relaying your values to your athletes. Right. Cause it, it does, there is a lot of the times that it gets to the point of like, all right, I'm trying to instill this value. I'm trying to talk to my athletes about punctuality. I'm trying to get them to be on time and it just keeps happening and keeps happening, and keeps mm-hmm. happening. And I think that that's when you have to reflect on yourself as a coach. Like, what am I doing poorly to communicate this and get my athletes to take this? But then you also have to like really analyze the situation is like, is this just not feasible for this athlete? Or is there something else going on in this athlete's life that, you know, training is maybe not their number one priority or, um, or, we have to have a deeper conversation and investigation to what's going on. Right. Exactly what you said. That's where you have, which is the main focus, the hard conversation. (laughs) (laughs) That's when you have to pull them aside and say, look, is there something that's going on? That's not allowing you to come to this session. Is there something that's going on? That's getting in the way of you making it here on time. Or are you just point blank being lazy? And because you've done it so many times, you think that this is okay. Because that's not that that part is not okay. That means that the coach facilitated a bad behavior or a or a negative habit, which is going to probably bleed into other parts of their training, which is not okay. Yeah, and that definitely um, hits on a pet peeve of mine, which is coaching coaches. Excuse me, coaches expecting behaviors that they have never communicated. Right, that happens way too frequently. Like. This is the way things are. You have to know how the way things are without me ever talking to you about them, right? Which seems silly, but I think it happens so many times. So uh, again, I I just can't hark on the communication topic so much. Like I think that's um, one of your biggest weapons as a coach or one of your biggest tools in your toolbox per se is like being able to talk and have a conversation and approach hard topics like because Again, in my sense, if somebody's not willing to have a hard conversation with you, that means they don't care. That means they're not, they're not willing to go to a vulnerable place with you. They don't want you to see that side of them or have, you know, an equally vulnerable experience with them. So they don't give a shit, you know? And so again, balance it out, choose when and where and and be emotionally intelligent 
about this hard conversation, but, um, but still the relationship and the, um, like the care has to be there first. Yeah. You know, I, I'd push back on that a little bit where sure. like, cause sometimes, sometimes I don't have a hard conversation with, with people because it's not that I don't care. It's that I don't think that the negative effects that are going to come from the hard conversation of me calling somebody out yeah. is going to outweigh the positive effects of having the conversation. Yeah. Like it's, it's almost, it's the classic, I don't think it's worth the trouble to have the conversation. And, and that's something that I've struggled with a lot as a young professional who, yeah. it, it, I'll sound cocky saying it, I'm an expert in my field. I'm, I'm very good at what I do. And I understand a small, what a very small percentage of people understand being able to combine healthcare, skill work and strength coaching all into one group. Yeah. And it's one of those things that sometimes it's just not the juice isn't worth the squeeze in my head and I don't want to rock the boat. And maybe that's the wrong way to think of things. I, I, I don't know. And I'm open to that being the wrong way to see things because you're right. It could just be that I don't care enough. I, right. Maybe. But it's that in my head, like I've had times where it's not that I don't care it's that I think it's going to be more negative than positive if I bring up a certain a certain topic to certain people. Yeah, no, I I, I totally think that's valid in a sense of like you're you're weighing the pros and cons and you're applying your like contextual emotional intelligence, right? Like mm-hmm. that's that's a, a huge piece of this. Like, is this conversation gonna like gonna fix the one thing, but then crumble the mountain? Right. right. It's, like, it's it's the uh, I'm I'll I'll lose the battle to win the war mentality in my head. Yeah. And I think that has to go on. I think there's also a time and place for this athlete has to come to me with this first, Mm -hmm. right? Like I think once you realize things yourself and like you can leave the breadcrumb and you can lead them to the solution. Right. But I think there's definitely a time and place like your athletes just straight up not going to listen or not going to hear you if they're not ready or they're not in a place to hear it. Right. So, so that's, that's another time not to have the hard conversation. And, uh, and one that I I've ran into as well is like, maybe you're not the person to have that conversation with them, right? Like as good of a relationship as you fostered, you have to be aware of that and you have to know, like, you know, maybe this is going to be overstepping the bounds. Maybe this is going to be not my place to have this conversation. Maybe they, they have to figure that out, you know, in their home life, or they have to figure out that out with their head coach or, or something like, where's your, um, I guess, role and responsibility within the conversation. Right. And, and I honestly, I find that more, I guess, con- or I, I guess more important when I'm doing intra-professional versus yeah. athlete to coach relationship. That's okay. where I have the biggest difficulty with conversations is where it's, I'm talking to a sport coach or I'm talking to another strength coach, or I'm talking to another healthcare practitioner, a dietitian, where I am the expert in my field and I don't feel like I'm being perceived as the expert in my field. And it's one of those things that it's a hard thing to say, no motherfucker, you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and here's, and, and here's why, but you can't say that because that's not proper communication. That's never going to get any point across you. just yelling, you saying, Hey, this is me. This is, these are my degrees. This is why this is right. Is never going to, get your point across. It has to come from a way of effective communication. And sometimes effective communication 
it sounds like counterintuitive, but sometimes effective communication doesn't fucking work. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's this small little thing that as humans have called the ego, right? Mm-hmm. Like that that's so forefront yep. in, in every communication of, you know, interprofessional or like peer to peer discussions that I have is like, and I've definitely learned to like step back and step off my high horse in a lot of settings, mm-hmm. but sometimes you got to push your agenda. Sometimes you know, you're right. And your athlete will suffer if you don't step forth. Right. So it's like that again, that's the unacceptable value. And that's again, where I think we can all come together, even if there's a difference in opinion in, you know, skill coaching, strength coaching, or physical therapy to strength coaching or, or whatever the, the conflict is we have to come together on the athlete's health and well-being, right? First and foremost. And then there's got to be like conflict resolution and civil discourse, right? You know, I, I hate right. to be preacher or whatever, but like so many hit people have become so uncomfortable with conflict that they just mm-hmm. endlessly avoid it. And then more people are horrible at conflict, so they can't handle it and find a productive solution regardless, right? Right. Like it's okay to have a difference in opinion and it's okay to have different approaches on how to solve a problem. Right. It's just, where am I going to give? Where are you going to give? Let's, let's filter it out. Let me try and understand your approach. Let you try and understand my approach. And if that other party doesn't try and understand my approach, like then that's not the time or place to have the conversation. And I have to be willing and accepting of that. And then this is the other like piece of magic sauce that I think goes like, um, goes by the wayside is like, even if that person is not willing to hear me out, not willing to seek my viewpoint or whatever, there's a lot of social tools around that too, right? Like it's on me to react to that situation and like, you know, get the outcome that I'm looking for, maybe even without that person's go ahead or that person's understanding or or whatever, There, there's other ways to your goal. And like, and I'm not talking about like backhanded or, or under the radar goals, but there are ways to behave in and of yourself in a professional manner that still accomplish your goals, you know, have a conversation with somebody else, bring in a group perspective, um, have the athlete talk to both of you in the same room, right? Like there's a, I think that way of conflict negotiation has been lost in so much of the field because you do have to know your worth. You do have to stick your chest out and say, I know what I'm doing. I know what you're doing. Or I'm trying to understand what you're doing, and let's come together and find the best solution. Mm-hmm. Well, I've I've fallen into the trap of I mean, Alex, you've known me for a while. <laughs> I used to I've I've gotten much better at this, but I used to be either I'm going to back off or I'm going to be nuclear. Like, right. I'll, like either I'm or either this isn't worth my time, and I'm mm-hmm. just going to say you know what, fuck it, uh, the, I'll let this one go, or I am going to make you cry. <laughs> like there's, there used to be no in between with me and like, and I'm, I'm relatively good at mental warfare. Like I'll go at you and I'll make, yeah. I'll make you think about this shit for a little bit. And through the first few years of my career in this profession, like in the professional athletics and having to deal with not just MMA, but coaches of all of these different sports and all these different specialties, you get to learn the nuances of professional communication stuff Amen. that I've learned in school. Like I, I learned <laughs> these different skills in stool. Like, Oh yeah, we're supposed to, we're supposed to give and take. We're supposed to do these things. There needs to be, what is it? Um, the 
intra-professional communication is what we are always talked about. Intradisciplinary actions and intradisciplinary clinics right. is what we learn in chiropractic school. That's what you want. That's the dream. But until you get into real life and you have to, you literally have to like stand up for yourself, but not shit on the person in front of you. You don't know what intradisciplinary like work is. Amen. And yeah, very well in, in the last three, I don't know what I'm, I, I don't know how long I've been practicing three or four years, some bullshit. <laughs> I've learned so much more than the seven years I was in school to get to the job that I'm at. Because you have to actually learn the fine-tuned details of communication. Yeah, amen. So I guess though, like trying to like wrap it a little bit. One of the main things on having difficult conversations is actually have the difficult conversations, even yeah. if you don't want to, even if you think that it's not worth your time. As long as you think that you can benefit somebody in the talk. Have the conversation because that experience in it of itself is going to pay dividends down the road because maybe in the future, there's something that has way, way, way graver um, consequences that you have to make sure that you stand up for yourself or you stand up for your athlete or you stand up for another coach. That's something I've run into having to stand up for another coach in a team setting. Nobody prepares you for that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. but because it, everybody talks about like everybody talks about like backing the athlete what's best for the athlete what you got to do nobody ever prepares you that sometimes teams fight and you have to stand up for a brother you have to stand up for a <laughs> yeah. coach in, in in the thing and i've had to do that and that's something i was never told that i would ever have to do well you know what's best for the athlete is confidence in their preparation what helps confidence in the preparation is you backing their skill coach. <laughs> you know, like uh, well, hundred percent. So it's one of those topics that the more difficult conversations you have, it's just, it's just a muscle. The more you Amen. flex it, the better you get at using it. So don't, don't shy away from the difficult conversations. Don't just say it's not worth it because yeah. learn, learn from me. I don't know about Alex, but learn from me. I've made that mistake way too many times in my yeah. short career. And I'm not going to make a mis- that make that mistake again. Well, that's exactly where I was going to go off of your, your your personal reflection of being nuclear or nothing, right? Like my, you know, my curse. And again, I think what we work really well on is I'm middle of the road and like kind of monotone yeah. too way often, right? Like I don't get in the shit or I don't, or I don't pull back a hundred percent. I'm just kind of middle of the road a lot of the time. So mm-hmm. um, one thing akin to what you did, like I forced myself um, and I did this two places. Um, and now probably three, um, first it was a high school football team, right? I I started coaching a high school football team. You know, you get together at the end of the lift, right? Coach gives you a little motivational runoff again, nothing that you get prepared for in strength training school or wherever you go. Right. I never said anything that wasn't my jam. That's not who I am. I'm going to have a one-on-one conversation and hopefully that's meaningful, but I'm not going to send the motivational message to the team. All right. Mm -hmm. And then. I saw that having a detriment. It's like, you know, I could connect with individual athletes, but like the whole, the group as a whole doesn't know who I am. Do I care what's going on? Right. Cause you know, in a football team, you have 80 to hundred kids in front of you. So I forced myself every day at the end of the lift to say something. Doesn't matter what it was. Doesn't matter. Blah, blah, blah. It could just be a reflection on the day. Hey, we did well today. Like period. Right. It's like force myself to say something. Right. The next bigger opportunity I had was at wrestling practice, right? I started coaching wrestling. So it's like after practice, come together, 
reflect on the day, but also offer motivation and something that I have exponential experience at, right? It is like men- mental toughness and building um, a successful wrestling approach and career, right? So like I could give them something mental. So that was my next thing is like coach wrestling team after practice, add something to their mentality, right? Which is a step closer to more like motivational speaking, quote unquote, right? Third biggest hurdle. And this is the one that I, I, I got over. Um, I don't want to say got over, but something that I've fully immersed myself with into my fears was talking to the factory X fight team after sparring every Friday. Right. And yeah. cause it's, cause you're not a big um, public speaking guy, not a big public speaking guy, but I will <laughs> I will push back. I've gotten a lot better. Um, yes. Oh fuck. Yeah. You have Bye. Exactly what you said, getting experience and doing it, you know, and, and is exactly what you said with the hard conversations, too, because the more that you foster relationships, the easier those hard conversations come. But um, to round out that story about Factory X and sparring, I don't know, again, how familiar our audience with, is with Mark Montoya, but, you know, his, you know, reputation leader of men and he's very well spoken in front of a group of people. So I have to lead him every time because he makes all the assistant coaches go first as sparring. But, you know, I always pick out kind of a theme of the day or theme of the training week or like, where's the team at holistically? Like, and it's on me to come up with that and then speak to it to a team of fighters that, you know, you know, I feel very close with, but also don't all like feel intimidated by. Right. So that's hard to speak in front of. And then on top of that, leading Mark Montoya, who's going to knock the ball out of the park with his speech every time. So it's like, again, immersion therapy, get the experience, take the reps. You know, it's almost like training, right? You're going to get better at it the more you get it. So I think having those hard conversations, put yourself in an emotionally vulnerable position with your athletes is nothing but good relationship building. I agree. Well, I feel like that was a dope ass freestyle. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed that podcast. So listening to it, if you guys got to get in touch with us, all of our information is in the show notes. That's going to be Instagrams and emails. If you want to look at our strength and conditioning programs, which are on our new website, I was just about to say that. Don't steal Stole my fucking, thunder. Don't <laughs> steal my fucking thunder. Get we me, have a bro. new website as of this <laughs> podcast. So that is going to be buildingafighter.com. We revamped the website. It looks sexy. It's ready to go. There's also, if you do want to sign up for any of our like individualized programming, so that's going to be our custom team and or custom individual. There's recurring payments, so you don't have to fucking go back to the website every time like you used to have to. So it's sick. Check it out buildingafighter.com slash programs. That's going to be all of our strength conditioning programs right there. This is Dr. Austin Shane. Alex Friedman. And we are out.